Welcome to the John Steele Personal Injury Teleconference. Today's special guest is Dr. Lukovic. As always, you're encouraged to press the number one during the course of the call to ask the, Mr. Steele and Dr. Lukovic a question. Mr. Steele, your call is now live. Doctors, welcome aboard. This is the best time of the month. We love doing these. We bring some superstars to uh, spend uh, just a half an hour. We try to keep this efficient to the bone. Uh, today we have something that's a uh, radically different, but it really impacts every doctor's practice, and it's going to impact every doctor's practice for years to come. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, we're going to keep this uh, entire discussion to 30 minutes. We end exactly on time. We'll have it on the Sean Steele uh, website so that you can actually listen to it at another time as well. So that's uh, so. So if you lose parts of the conversation, you're going to be able to, to, to retrieve it or actually suggest it to uh, other doctors. Gary Lukovich is one of my favorite docs of all time. He's a practicing doctor. He actually sees patients, but at the same time, he's a guru. And he thinks about personal injury in every context. That's why he's in charge of the personal injury department for the California Chiropractic Association. He's a go-to guy. He studies every nuance of personal injury, and in our in our monthly uh, newsletter, PR email alert, we send out nowadays. We're sending out twice a month. Uh, we use a lot of Gary's uh, uh, forms, his information, his booklets, and his ideas. But today is the post audit uh, review, the post payment audit. Here's here's my uh, experience on this. I, I started discovering this years ago when when doctors would get a letter from the federal government saying, "Hey." Uh, you've been charging Medicare, uh, you've charged these fees, uh, you know, in the last two years, and we need to look at your records. And the doctors would be flummoxed with this, didn't know what it meant. And then later on, there could be criminal penalties, there could be massive financial penalties, there'd be hiring lawyers. Uh, and, and it was, it, it's, it was quite severe. We'd never seen that. Not just chiropractors, medical doctors and medical facilities. And then, it got reduced. Uh, then the insurance company started discovering this device. <clears throat> and my favorite story, and I'll just have one. A friend of mine that, that does this kind of work as a lawyer full-time, uh, the doctor typically would get a uh, just a generic letter from an ordinary insurance company saying, hey, we're just doing a routine, routine auto. We'd like to look at uh, you know six of your files uh, in the last two years involving payment to you. Now, that's kind of odd. They already paid the bill. Why do they want to look at it? So the doctors say, oh, well, no big deal. I'll copy the files and, you know, the records, the charts, and the billing and send it to the insurance company. And that would be the end of it, he would think. Two years later, 18 months later, they'd get a letter saying, based upon our examination of our payments to you, we have overpaid you substantially, not on the six files, but all the files that we've been paying you on. And therefore, we've come to a calculation that you owe XYZ Insurance Company $130,000, and we expect payment this Friday by 5 o'clock. The doctor would see this letter and say, what the heck's going on? What are you talking about? Where did I overbill? Then it's too late. He hires a lawyer. That costs a lot of money. And he starts the big battle against the insurance company. Well, Gary's going to explain how that happens, the history of that happening, and what to do about it so you never have that nightmare. It's tough enough getting paid. It's worse when you have to pay them back. Dr. Lukovich, what's going on? Well, Sean, thanks for the introduction. And you've covered a lot of topics in the first couple of minutes, but there have been more audits the last 10, 12 years, and there's a reason for it. It's not anyone's imagination. They're getting increasingly prevalent. 
And something happened in healthcare, you know, back in 2010. We call it the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. It hasn't been affordable and it's been a lot of other problems for a lot of people. But one of the things that came with this change in the law was enormous oversight. The uh, Health and Human Services uh, via the Office of the Inspector General was uh, tasked with doing what they first call routine profession audits. And so each of the professions, chiropractic, general practitioners, orthopedists, dentists, everybody else, anyone who had Medicare, who took Medicare, they're going to see, well, let's see how these doctors do when we get their records in terms of supporting the care that they, they rendered to these people that were paying for all these millions and billions of dollars. Well, this is what they found. Over a period of years, they did it. But in 2015, it was especially telling. Uh, the improper payment rate for chiropractic services was 51.7% of all the money. Almost 52% of all the money spent on chiropractic services by Medicare was deemed uh, not medically necessary. And when they reviewed the records, they got statistics that were incredibly high. They were showing that uh, chiropractic records were failing the record audits. This is about any financial penalty or any anything else. Just they just seen how these people did, and we were in the ninety ninety uh, percent or higher for a number of years, and it's still pretty high on just failing to meet the requirements for medical necessity in Medicare in two thousand three. So, so are we? We're not talking about billing. We're talking about justifying treatment. Justifying treatment. Yeah, we'll get into the billing here in a second because that's where it gets really bad. Um, and in, in 2015, almost 99% of all denied chiropractic claims. So if it was denied in Medicare, it happened 99% of the time for one of two reasons, either no documentation or insufficient documentation. Now, Medicare has some pretty different, pretty high standards for documentation. And if you missed any of the little boxes, yeah, that was a failure. So it's a little bit skewed in the way they did it. But there was, ah. such a, there was such a public outcry, Sean. No longer was it just a matter about monitoring docs and see how they're doing and, and presenting a report to Health and Human Services. The, the news services found out about this, and they go, well, what are we paying these docs for? Especially, why are we paying the chiropractors at all if they have such a high failure rate? And so, rather than kick chiropractic out or kick other professions out of Medicare, they turned up the notch on their, what the audits meant. So no longer was it just reviewing the profession as a whole, doing like a profession audit. They were going after seeing how individual doctors did. And suddenly, laws that were once applied only to like government defense contracts for abuses and fraud now started to be applied to health care. And so now suddenly, uh, there were, and besides paying the money back, you had fines, penalties, interest charges, investigation costs, your own personal legal expenses, state board sanctions, um, loss of ability to treat Medicare and other health insurance patients, and possibly jail time. And, wow. Uh, so over a period now, of uh, Now, look, I'm a chiropractic lawyer. My concern in life is to make sure chiropractors are treated fairly because I grew up in a chiropractic household. I know what my mother went through. Uh, it sounds like they're picking on the chiropractors. It just smells that way. It just well, we're, we're tell, tell me, tell me, it's not. No, no, it is. It is true because one thing that has changed is they they're still coming after and hammering chiropractors. Okay, they still are. But what they did is for medical doctors, they said, okay, 
we're doing something different now because the medical doctors had a lot more money, had a lot more means of fighting back, and they kind of did so collectively. So now but, but Medicare... But they take, ni- they, they take 90% of the money. No, it's not about the, the money to them. It's about appearances. So what happened is they actually got the Health and Human Services to say, okay, from now on we're going to focus on educating the medical doctors. We're not going to focus on fines and penalties. That didn't apply to chiropractors. It's still coming after chiropractors. It's totally unfair. I agree. I've talked to them about it, and they said, look, you guys are doing so poorly, you've got to show us a lot more improvement before we're even going to take you seriously. So here's what happened. Wow. Between 2012 and 2019, the um, Health, Health Human Services did, uh, started paying for audits, and they increased the amount they spent on audits 16% during that period, up to $420 million per year each year. We're just doing audits on the profession, okay? On and everybody that, or just or just chiropractors? Everybody, everybody. But oh, we okay. were a big okay. focus because we're an easy target, Sean. They never released how much of this money was spent on chiropractors versus other types of professions. Was, but, was the government getting their money back? In other words, Sean, uh, that's would the they question. do an audit? Oh, okay. This is this. Medicare audits alone provide a return <laughs> on investigation costs. So for every uh, five, $1 they spent on investigations... During this time period, they get 5 to $8 back in a very short period of time. You can't get that type of interest at the bank, Sean. Oh, that's what I want. No, seriously. If that's true and they're actually getting squeezing money out of chiropractors, that's got to make them the greatest target in history. Well, that's that's bad. bad. And we're not the only ones that went after, but chiropractors is a very easy target. Wow. Medicare only pays for a few, they only pay for manipulation, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a few levels of manipulation, so it makes it a very easy target because a lot of chiropractors are documenting what they did or justifying what they did. Mm. So anytime, now how does this affect the auto industry and the other insurances? Well, you don't have to be a genius, Sean, to look at this and say 5 to 800% return over less than a year's time. That's an incredible return by any standard. Any standard. So, of course, yeah. you're going to say, yeah. the executives are say, but we can do this, too. And that's what they right. started doing. They started going after things in personal injury. And can can I happened. just tell you, you got so much information, so much knowledge. Look, I, as a personal injury attorney, I don't see the post-payment uh, audits yet. Now, I see some fraud cases. AAA has been really doubled down. Allstate did a bunch of RICO cases. Uh, but that's just classic fraud where the accidents are totally made up. The treatment was bogus. They got enormous uh, penalties against the chiropractors. There's a, just a big bust in Texas, same kind of thing. You got kickbacks for surgery. So I see the kickbacks, the, the old-fashioned fraud, the phony accident, uh, the non-existent patient stuff. But I haven't seen a traditional PI case where there's customary you know, chiropractic care that a couple of years later there's a big fat audit. And uh, just because it's an ordinary case, they would argue that it wasn't documented, or they would argue that that it was, uh, uh, you know, the billing was too high. Tell tell me about that. Well, I'm going to get into that in just a second, and that's a great question because I've defended a few of those cases. And even when you win, Sean, mm. you've already spent a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars in oh, legal stop fees. It. Just get no, no. I'm not. Kidding. Could, I had no idea. Who could afford that? Who could afford? Well, that? You, you mortgage your house. Okay. Oh, that's what ends up happening. So another chiropractic, is there more than one type of audit? And this speaks to the question you just mm-hmm. asked. Well, the basic billing audit is what they used to do. Hey, look, we checked here. It looks like you billed it properly. We want, you know, $140 back, and then it all goes away. That's the way they used to do it, okay? It's right. It's simple, innocuous. 
Then they switched. There's another thing called a survey audit. And it's kind of what you were talking about. This is where mm. a person that's done by phone or a person drops by your office and says, I'm just checking on what you charge, okay? This one seems pretty innocuous, but the person may be getting evidence to possibly hurt the doctor later on because you really can't technically have two fee schedules, okay? That's against mm. the law. Now, the California right. State Board does allow by statute to have a lower um, a charge uh, for a, f- a given service if it's paid at the time. Okay, that's supposed to be incentive. You're paying right now. You're not have to wait for billing. You don't have to deal with insurance company. You don't have to send records. If they pay at the time, you can give them a, a, a lesser charge. But uh, the California Business Professional Code also says that does not apply to Medicare or Medi-Cal cases, so you can't give them a discount there. Some of the people that need it most, you can't give a discount to. It's, a, it's an absurd system. Yeah. That's yeah. a survey yeah. on it. Now, the next one up the sh- uh, thing is called Internet Search. I look on the Internet, and you can see which doctors are using Groupon and Living Social, that type of um, program where a doctor basically is you know, advertising some type of discount through these uh, different um, social media sites, and they help direct people to you. And the more people they send to you, the more money they get. Well, you have to be really careful. You're running, you're, you're walking a very thin, slippery line there because that could be construed as fee splitting. So I always advise doc if they're doing anything like that, check with a uh, get some solid legal advice to make sure the way it's structured, you're not setting yourself up for uh, investigation just for that purpose. Now the profile audit, this is the thing you're kind of talking about. Ooh. This is where they will look at um, how you, how does your billing habits. Uh, compare with other local doctors. Uh, does your documentation have a higher than normal failure rate? Uh, do you frequently bill a large number of codes uh, on a given day? Do you have um, uh, you bill for certain treatment codes much more frequently than others? And same with exams. If your profile is flagged, the auditors will view the doctor as being sloppy or incompetent or corrupt or all of the above. Whatever that applicable adjective is, though, these auto auditors want to go after you because they see you then as an easy target. So by the profile, they can tell who's going to be an easy mark. They don't want guys that are really smart and bright with a lot of funds. They're going to waste a lot of time and money on those guys. They want guys who are people, doctors who are easy targets. And the, the one you really hit hard was the series audit. It's called a series audit. And I've seen a couple of these from uh, Allstate, from Geico, where they come in and then when they find a doctor billing inappropriately, for something that you know, three years didn't go by before they build for a um, before they build for a new exam again, okay? Or they they build for three to four areas of manipulation when the patient only had complaints in one to two areas, okay? When they see that type of stuff, they say, okay, we we'll just hold on and wait. We'll start going back in the files because they keep the records. These play, these you know, you send in your records, they don't get shredded. All of them get scanned and put into computers so they know what you're doing. So they have it in there. They pull up Doctor X. They say, hey, wait a second. He not only did this last month, he did it with the case four months ago, a year ago, three years ago, whatever it is. They said, oh, my gosh, this guy is always doing this. So by the series audits of looking at your past records, they suddenly show up and they say, you talk about the demand. They're, they're going to extrapolate going back and all the times they dealt with you saying, we just discovered this, so the statute of limitations doesn't apply. We're just learning of it now. And we, mm-hmm. this is what our extrapolation says. This is the, our demand for immediate payment. Otherwise, all hell is going to break loose. And the other thing they do with these, Sean, is they have the right by the contract with the, um, with the patient or they're insured to contact the patient directly and say, hey, your doctor is being um, investigated by our 
special investigation unit, and we need your assistance in answering a few questions about your treatment at the doctor's office. So now the patients get involved, and right away they're not going to start thinking very highly of the chiropractor at that point because they anybody think anybody under investigation is guilty. Period. That's, that's, that's what they bad. think. That's 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 the thing. And the other thing that can happen, and sometimes this happens as a result of any of the previous types of audits I discussed, was the state board. The state board itself uh, can do an audit investigation, uh, and they, they're required by law. If you're accused of some type of fraud, insurance fraud, they're required. They're mandated. They don't have enough to investigate it. Okay, and those can be horrendous things to go through too because. The doctor almost has to prove he's innocent in those types of situations. Sometimes those things almost amount to a kangaroo court. And a lot of the evidence has already been gathered for them prior by other types of audits that are done. It's just then handed over to the state board. It's like the final nut on the barrel. And so what they can do, they can, they can not only make you pay for all the stuff we talked about earlier, but they have the right to take your license away, either temporarily or permanently. So some of the effects of these audits can result in very draconian type of outcomes. And they are increasing, and a lot of docs don't, aren't even aware of them until it happens. And by the time it happens, it's too late. So I tell docs, you've got to start, you know, practicing a lot more defensively and thinking that they could be they could be watching me. They could they could have been watching me for the last three or four years, and they just want to get enough information, enough data to make it bulletproof, so it's impossible to just say, you know, that was a one-time error, that was a one-off thing. I don't usually do that. When they have 40 cases, they then slap on your desk and say, well, what about all these then? So the uh, the other question what, I got what, is give what? me a, give me a micro example just a one of your recent cases how you are how were you hired when did you get in and who hired you well the 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 attorney the most recent one, the attorney contacted me because they were very concerned about the the total amounts I mean they were asking literally for hundreds of thousands of dollars back and the retainer alone in the case was $50,000 that the attorney wanted up front. He was well-trained wow. in this type of stuff, but he knows it's very extensive, and if the doctor doesn't have the money as a commitment, they don't want to get halfway down the road. You know, they know these things. It's a lot of things that, you know, it's a lot of uh, depositions sometimes. It's a lot of uh, meetings that they have to do and go over stuff. They have to talk with other specialists. They have to look at every line. Every line, literally, they go through it. And, uh, Sean, I think in one of your seminars, in fact, I'm going to make available to the docs uh, a few different handouts they can get from you about audits and things to look, things to check, and how they go about finding these things. You know, they, they're really, really clever in how they can use computers. And the thing to know is, what do these audits actually accomplish for the auto insurance company? Well, a number of things. It allows them to not just be the bad guy. They don't really want that look. But they, they allows them to get money back. In PI cases, the return on investment is only $3 for every dollar invested. So that's still pretty darn good. Not quite as good as Medicare, but $3 for one invested for in less than a year is a pretty good return. Oh, it's the best deal in the world. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it'd be foolish. I don't understand why they wouldn't audit every single chiropractor. Well, I mean, it just it sounds like have, free money. They have to have a pretty good reason because, you know, their investigation costs, if they don't get anything to show for it, Ah, you know, that's okay. the average. It looks pretty bad okay. for a person to do it. So really, they, like I said, they want to go after weak targets. They know what to look for. And I'm going to cover that in just a second here. But uh, they also, these audits can do some good things. They can actually get rid of some of the true abusers. Every every, every profession has people that know they're doing the wrong thing. You you alluded to that earlier when we talked about docs yeah. and no link committing fraud, et cetera. Those people should be out of the profession. And those, these audits do accomplish that as well. But they also make the public uh, alert to watch out for medical fraud. 
when these things start happening, they get published, or the DA's out there talking about the doctor or medical doctor who was arrested for some of this stuff, um, it really makes them stand up and say, "Aha! I really got. I better check my my insurance statements now, and they can make sure that he really did do what he said he did." And I think you might be aware of this in Medicare, and now some other places as well. <clears throat> according to the False Claims Act, this is what it actually says on the government website. Uh, whistleblowers, people you know who turn in people for doing the wrong thing, and it's usually a former employee or a disgruntled employee or a patient that's mad about something, they can get a reward of 15, 1, 5 to 25% of what the government collects in total based on your report of fraud. So if they collect $100,000, you can get fifteen to $25,000 for making a phone call. Wow, I love it. Yeah, and, so that's, and see, that's a kind of that's a that's a crazy stuff that I don't like about the government or about this type of post audit. This is abusive. This well, is a trying to stamp out fraud. And <clears throat> I, I got to put in a plug right now, and not for me, doctors. Any time you get one of these innocuous looking letters from any insurance company or any authority, so hey, we just want to do a routine audit. We want to look at your stuff. The alarm bell should go up. Call Dr. Gary. Uh, call me, but get yourself, and I'm going to recommend maybe two or three attorneys that actually know this stuff. If you bite it, take care of it early, you're talking about a few thousand dollars. If you let it fester, they do a full full audit. They got the proof lined up. Then it's going to cost you that huge check at the end uh, uh, to, to defend yourself. So whenever you think you got a potential uh, a problem on the line, nip it in the bud. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you agree with me on that. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I say nip it in the bud, knowing them a chance to audit you by doing things right in the first place. Well, there, yeah, of course. One that, of the things, I'll give you a sheet of the things they look for, and I'll show you. There's a thing that they use. Um, there's a special type of program they use, and I talked at one of your seminars about it. I may cover it again next time I do your your um, PI seminars up in L.A., which I think every doc who does PI should be taking these things. It's the best things I've ever seen. That's why I sit through the hours because I always learn stuff, and I've been doing this for over 35 years. But one thing that they do is they take your billing and they put it through a program, and it looks for patterns. Is this too high-level exam? Are they billing too frequently for an exam? Um, are they billing for three to four areas when we only have two diagnoses? Or the patient only had complaints in one area, and they're billing for four areas of complaint? That type of stuff, those billing programs can fly real, real easily. They don't even have to look at the rest of your, much of the rest of your notes to see if it, unless it just makes sure it corresponds with the billing. But what they do, then do that, it'll spit it out and say, this is what you investigate. And look at past files, see if he's doing the same thing. If so, man, those things are really, really hard to fight. Those are hard to fight. And you, you may, I'm, the couple of cases I've been involved with, one in particular, the doc had no idea that they were doing something illegal. Had oh, no, no idea. I, th- I think that's, that's a ma- vast majority. If you know you're a crook, <laughs> you don't need to be told that. But I think most of the guys uh, and gals are doing it uh, completely innocent. Uh, now, tell me, what, how did you – give me your best case because you've got dozens of these. And frankly, this is an area of, of expertise I did not know until today you were good at. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I know that you're a PI guru, but, uh, but this is a big deal, uh, and very few docs are, are experts. What services do you render, and how did you help your last doctor? You show things were actually customary and reasonable? or what, what, what's, well, There's what's a, few, a couple here? ways to go about this. It, 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 it depends on what type of things they've found, but if it's a typical type of things I've talked about, 
there's a couple ways of hoping to defend this, or at least get it from fraud to abuse. Abuse is uh, different than fraud. Fraud is knowingly doing something uh, to get financial gain that you know is wrong, okay? Whereas abuse is unknowingly doing something wrong. So it's a big difference in the charges and the fines going from fraud to abuse. That's one thing it's always going to try. The negotiating, the, the, you know, look, let's get reasonable. The doctor can afford to give you this versus this. But besides that, Sean, you know, besides PI, I also do um, malpractice defense and some, some of this type of work. But these type of cases are by far the hardest to defend because they don't want to waste money and they get that, they get so many examples of it you don't have a lot of ways to wiggle right away from these things, okay? And so you try to look at and things you can say, so, well, he really didn't benefit financially, the doctor, because his exam for this, his re-exam fee versus his new exam fee that he mistakenly charged are virtually identical, okay? So in reality, there wasn't a financial benefit from that. Or the other thing is the doctor, you know, was doing his best. He didn't realize he had seen the patient you know, two years and 11 months ago, had it been one month more, you know, that it would have been a new exam. And the patient may have only had complaints in one of the two areas. But yeah, but that, that, that's, that's one bill. That, that's just one time only. I, no, I no, no. Now, getting to the exam, well, they have they bill, you know, you, you do repeated exams, et cetera. But, or two high-level exams, they'll bill for, you know, a one-level exam that's higher than they, they couldn't possibly do. A comprehensive exam, which I, virtually no chiropractor ever does in PI. In the highest level exam, that stuff like that's going to get flagged. But they go after simple things like the, um, like I said, the manipulation billing for three to four areas when the patient only came in and complained of neck and upper back pain. Well, maybe your customary practice to build, you know, adjust the entire spine, but that's not what the auto insurance has to pay for. They, they, if the patient came in and had complaints in the neck, say, neck and upper back, well, you can bill for the one to two areas of manipulation, no problem. You said billing three to four, you've got to have certain things present in order to do that. You know, if you want to bill for three to four areas of spine, you have to have complaints in those areas. You have to have an exam covering those areas. You have to have diagnoses for three to four areas and then adjust three to four areas. Then you could do it. But a lot of the cases you go after, or it may, say it goes through treatment, uh, Sean, you know, they're a month in the care and they no longer have back pain. Maybe originally they had three to four areas of the spine involved, but now it's just the neck. You know, things have gotten better. Your treatment's working. So the docs sometimes keep reflexively adjusting three to four areas when the patient no longer has complaints there. Uh, uh, okay, that, that, okay. Let's, let's, we got uh, four minutes remaining because we keep our, our promises, doctor. Give me two or three of the most obvious errors that you don't want to do that doctors here can walk away with. I should not be treating a body part that no longer has complaint. That would well, be that, one, right? Well, that would be a, a big one that right there because that's one thing that's so easy to okay. flag. Okay, that's so good. easy to flag. That, that shows up all the time. Uh, okay, the other thing good. is that your billing, submitted billing, does not match your driver's notes. Okay. I always okay. tell people when we are at this office, we always will look at the progress notes and check the and check the uh, billing to make sure everything is adds up 100%. Because when it doesn't, it flags it. So you don't want to give any reason to flag it because then they start looking. And if you look hard enough at any doctor's records, you're probably going to find something isn't 100% right. right. Okay, it's just the way it is. I mean, it's hard to be perfect all the time, right? Yeah. I mean, you're the only guy I know that's pretty much perfect all the time. But docs, we're not that lucky. <laughs> 
that has, that hasn't happened in a long time. But the key, but the key, but the key thing is one: don't be treating for body parts where the patient tells you in your own notes that they're still that they're okay. What's another thing? Okay, well, I, mean, I have I twenty. Give, I have I twenty can, of them. I have, I have well, give a me, sheet I'll give, give out. Me. Sure. I'll, you, I'll, here's here's another one: no written okay. documentation of the findings when a person does X-ray. Law docs will take X-rays and they have no written documentation of no what were they found. Yeah. No way. Are John, you kidding? John, who would who would do that? John, I do. Uh, John, I do a lot of review of records and I see that probably more often than not. Doctors, please send those X-rays on PI cases to your local DAC bar. That's you a get great a million idea. dollars. You get a million dollars malpractice insurance. They write poetry, and you've got a good. Bunch of great codes that you're going to be able to use to justify your care. But if you don't have any report on your X-rays, well, that's let's just talk about nuts. another one here. How about this? If you know, on certain uh, procedures, they're, they're time-based therapeutic exercise, ultrasound, etc., where this you know basically constant attendance. Well, in order to meet the eight-minute threshold to get the first 15 minutes of say um, a mile fast right. release. You, sure. you you have to document the time. So in your record, you may put mile fast release or all time this, but you should put the time next to it. Otherwise, you're not substantiating how much time you spent doing that. You see? Well, that's okay. That seems pretty. But obvious. all these not, things we only have a minute left. Sean. All these things yeah. are in the avoiding the audits. I'm going to send that to you. I'll send you three sheets, and then you can have it sent out to whoever wants it. Okay, free well, of we're charge. We're going to make this stuff. We're going to make this our big feature. Of course. The trouble is that Lukovic does not only does he give away a lot of material, which for free, and with a lot of brain work and intelligence and well sourced, because I'm 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 a hypercritic myself, but but he also uh, puts he puts right on the paper it's no copyright protection as long as you don't use it yourself commercially, but you use it for your personal services. That's why Gary's my favorite guru. In fact, he's probably my only guru. I used to tell people, and I'll, I'll close with this, that, that, that Gary's not a normal guy. He actually wears a chiffon robe and lives on top of a monastery in the hills of San Diego. And uh, <laughs> Because, I mean, who, who, who else but somebody that's very disciplined, self-sacrifice, would actually go through this and, and have this endless, per- perfect bounty of information. I'm going to take your uh, three-sheet, 20 things not to do, to avoid an audit, save yourself. Frankly, not a, not just a ton of money. It's the emotional disturbance and the disruption of your personal life that I think is most costly of all. And so right. that's so that's what I'm going to ask. And I'll put I'm going to feature that in our next PI email alert. And that's going to be a standard uh, sheet that I think we all ought to know about. Uh, Doctor Gary Lukovich, I really appreciate it. Doctors, I'm sorry that we talked too fast to even give you a chance to answer or ask a question. What I'm going to ask you to do is email me, seansteele at seansteele.com, and I'm going to get your questions answered. Gary, if anybody needs to reach you for any reason, what's the name of your clinic and what's your phone number? I'll give you the office phone. It's just, you know, here's how you reach me the easiest. Just contact me at 760-744-1881, or you can email me at Lukovich, my last name, L E W. K-O-V as in Victor, I-C-H, at cox.net. Lukovic at cox.net. If you uh, contact me, have a question, or you go through the CCA portal. If you're CCA members, you go through the portal. I'll give you a written answer. I'll get back to you always within 24 hours with uh, an answer. If I, if I don't know, I'll tell you where to get the answer. Well, keep in mind, doctors, that's why we have a California Chiropractic Association now conveniently called CalChiro. Doctors, thanks for, for, for joining us. We'll be doing this again in another month. 
Next time we think we're going to have an insurance adjuster that's going to tell us the secrets of the universe. So more on that later. Dr. Gary, thank you. We'll have you again very soon. All right. Thank you, Sean. Good Bye day. Bye-bye.